0: Just go to indeed.com/slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We got a week till the draft. We got a lot to get into. We got Mario's two-round mock to dig into and Plenty of wide receiver drama around the league to dig into as well. Let's start the show. Welcome back in. It's the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. We are eight days Away from the first round of the NFL draft, I'm your host John McKechnie, joined by Mario Puig. Before we get into the draft and really dig in with with uh, with both feet here, because we got Mario's two round mock to to really uh, chew on, we got an interesting amount of wide receiver drama as some volunteer voluntary workouts are starting up across the league. The most recent one is Kadarius Toney. We've also got some Debo Samuel drama. Apparently we got some AJ Brown drama, apparently a little bit of Deontay Johnson as well, but let's kick things off with Kadarius Toney. Mario, it seems like extremely high, excuse me, uh, a really like high profile team, like the Giants, obviously the New York media, like they're they're going to make a huge deal out of, of these sort of things, but at the same time, Tony not showing up, uh, new coaching staff, a pretty, you know, invisible rookie season. A lot of it, of course, due, due to nagging injuries. And he was impressive when he did play, but what in your, in your mind is the, is going on with, with this Tony situation with the giants?
2: I really don't know. I, it could just be as simple. He's, he's kind of eccentric and, uh, maybe this kind of blows over because it's, a. Uh maybe it's a case of him kind of uh being misunderstood as insubordinate but maybe in his mind he, he he doesn't see it that way and he doesn't realize how this looks or like how some people might be taking it um he seemed pretty prepared to play last year as much as he he got he seemed to get nowhere with Joe Judge like they just seemed to feud the entire time even when things were going well it didn't didn't really seem like judge was uh excited to see it he was more just like okay i guess we i guess we got to play tony now uh, I didn't want to, but I guess we have to, and, uh, it, it, never really seemed to get any better than that. So on the one hand, maybe, maybe Tony is kind of like responsible for that, but maybe not. Joe judge didn't seem particularly well liked. So, uh, maybe, maybe Tony's just a little eccentric and just kind of needs to be handled the way, uh, you know, so, some, some, some kind of, uh, special student or something, you know, who's just like they just need this one accommodation and otherwise they're fine. But uh, it's also possible that he's just kind of got some uh, work ethic issues or something. And I I have no idea how to call it. The one thing I think we can give him credit for again, is that when he did get put on the field last year, uh, even though judge didn't really want him to, he did have that really big game against Dallas and had a couple other good moments. So um, if, if he wasn't practicing the right way, it would have been really hard to tell based on the way he was playing.
1: No, that's a, that's a good point. I, I guess it just like in the broader context of the, the other wide receiver drama, he has so much less track record to point to, to to be, you know, a, a proverbial diva. And again, you know, it, this could be a misunderstanding on, on on all sides and what's being reported might not actually be accurate. And, you know, this is just voluntary stuff. It's not like he's missing um, like the, the mandatory stuff that is going to go on a little bit later in this offseason, but it, it does it does strike me as weird for someone who had as kind of rocky of a rookie season as Tony did and coming into a new coaching staff and everything to kind of get off on the wrong foot on purpose.
2: Yeah. uh, I guess, yeah, again, it would almost kind of come down to what he thought he was doing. Like if he understood Mm -hmm. it as a, yeah, the team wants me here, but I'm not going to go because, you know, I want to, that would not be so great perhaps. But if he was, it's also possible he's just kind of like a, you know, head in the clouds kind of person or something and didn't really realize the way it would be taken or something.
1: Regardless, I think that, you know, our, our collective antenna are up about the, the Tony and the in the Giants uh, situation. I think they're committed yeah. to him. Like, they, they, they don't really have much option.
2: Yeah, they don't have much option to like, other than uh, just trying to stick with him anyway. So I think in the meantime, it's like moot, you know, whatever this, whatever way the story goes, unless it's not indicating some horrible you know work ethic thing which it seems like a long shot I I think it'll kind of just blow over as long as it's an isolated incident
1: yeah okay all right that's that's a good way of of putting it there Um, got a little bit of breaking news here Mario so Jeff Darlington tweets out breaking news I just spoke to wide receiver Debo Samuel and he told me that he asked the 49ers to trade him so that that dovetails wow. with with the with these recent developments, this feels like it's been something that's kind of out of nowhere. I mean, Samuel's been such an integral part of the 49ers these last few years. He's, you know, just really the engine of that offense in a way that most receivers wouldn't be. I don't know if there's another system out there that that could accommodate him the same way that the Kyle Shanahan would or like get the most out of him. But nonetheless, it feels like the the marriage between Debo and the and the Niners is is going down the tubes.
2: Man, uh, yeah, I did not, I did not realize it was this far along. Do, is there some kind of, like, bigger story that's been hinted? Like, has there been, has there been any, like, uh, little, you know, drip, drip about, like, oh, Debo actually got mad back on, uh, whatever, week five, when something happened and he just never really got over it. Like, it, was he, was he, like, feuding with Shanahan or something, or is it just a money thing?
1: Well, um adding on to to the Darlington tweet he says and uh, Darlington says he did not want to discuss specific reasons behind his request but he has indeed let the 49ers know his desire to leave the organization Jeez.
2: all right uh yeah doing mock drafts this year is going to be a lot of fun when uh you know that that first pick goes up and not long afterward we we, we hear about uh, debo and I don't know why not two or three other guys getting traded uh i don't i don't know what's going on man it's hard for me to think through especially at this point in the offseason like it would have been different if it was before free agency uh teams don't have quite as much budget left as they did you know a couple months ago so uh i I guess a player like samuel uh, teams will probably be willing to trade from far in the future like reaching into future picks to get it done so uh, he should have a lively market. Uh, either way, I guess, but uh, there might be like a f- just like a couple fewer teams that than could have been in on the bidding in the in previous point, maybe. So, uh, as much as the Shanahan scheme in some ways put Debo in his best positions, you know, to to really amplify his his strengths of in his skill set, I don't think he's dependent on that system, and I think you can make other ways to to amplify those those skills specifically the run after the catch ability I don't think you need the Shanahan system to do that and if anything I thought Shanahan was maybe indulging a little too much Hmm. the idea of putting deep like putting up Debo Samuel's body as like sacrifice basically for the whole offense and uh if that informed part of Samuel's outlook on this then that would make plenty of sense to me like hey they're trying to they're trying to hurt my earnings so that this coach can get an extension. So uh, if, if I'm but like, if at the same time, that...
1: like, you know, Debo seemed pretty happy with it. You know, he, he like right. referred to himself as a wide back. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like I think,
2: a... I think that's his, his, you know, his competitiveness. Like he's, he's the kind of guy who's like, even if he's mad at the team, he's always going to play 110%. But like, if they aren't willing to make him, I don't know, the highest paid receiver in the league, maybe more like they, they might need some hazard pay kind of logic in there if they want to keep using them that way and maybe they they're just like oh no there's no way we're not paying you uh you know two million more a year than tyree Hill. no way buddy and it's like okay we'll trade me like, that would make mm-hmm. sense if, if you want to keep using me like a running back you gotta give me some hazard pay i mean that's that i mean that's a that's a good counter for, for which sure. running backs also need but that's a separate uh subject
1: with <laughs> that that pod's coming on our patreon um <laughs> a, little, a little bit later this month but um it you Know in your mind if things are, are moving in this direction, which they seem to be at a, at a pretty rapid pace, I, I imagine that if things don't calm down, then I, I imagine Debo's on the move by draft night. Um, yeah, who do you, who do you think is it would be in on those sweepstakes? <laughs> uh, Packers. Uh, I don't think they want to trade them to the Packers, though. Uh, I
2: hmm. guess they, they're going to want to trade them to the AFC, and uh, that's another thing, too. It's like how. Man, if she, depending on how stubborn, short sighted, petty, etc., uh, Shanahan or and Lynch might be, this could get ugly because again, like teams have put, already allocated some budget toward the wide receiver position. In a couple teams' cases, uh, first round pick trades, you know, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, um, those are teams that could have been interested in trading for Samuel. Now they can't, uh, maybe the Jets, I guess, uh, they have that 10th pick. and. It's possible, like in the mock that I did, actually, they by the 10th pick, receiver had already been, in that scenario, hacked away more than maybe some people expect. And uh, I could just be wrong to to you know think that many receivers go that early. But if they did, it, it, which is to say if Garrett Wilson and uh, Jameson Williams are off the board by the 7th pick, then trading that 10th pick for Debo Samuel makes a ton of sense, especially then if you're the Jets. Because uh, their, their other option at that point is basically like maybe – you know, Chris Olave or Drake London or something like that, which is, is not as exciting. It's not as like workhorse, especially immediate workhorse receiver, uh, the way Debo Samuel could be.
1: So you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the the complications with the timeline here and and how most teams have kind of done their free agent spending and, and, you know, that their cap is pretty much situated to accommodate the, the rookie class and, and, you know, maybe a handful of, you know, depth, Veteran type type of signings, but you know, with, with Debo, you kind of have to imagine that there, there's going to need to be a, a contract extension.
2: Oh yeah, roll. and I think so. the Jets the Jets would be willing to do that. I, maybe the Packers don't really have the cap space to do that. I don't. I'm not sure. um But yeah, to, I, I guess I didn't really complete the thought before. But uh, if Shanahan's going to be stubborn about this and be like, "Oh, we're not going to take what the market offers us. We're only going to trade him if we get a certain amount that we say we need." that would be concerning, I guess, because it's like, you, you're done. You got to move them. You take what the market can give you or you sabotage yourself and Debo Samuel. And it's like, I guess I could kind of imagine Shanahan doing that. He doesn't, he, he's got, he's he's smart and things like that, but I don't know if his judgment is all that great. And, and uh, especially with personnel, his judgment has not been so great. And it seems like he's having some issues with more and more players having, you know, disciplinary flare ups with him. So uh, I, I, I hope he lets Debo Samuel go, uh, even if it is to the jets. Cause yeah, I don't want him being a holdout instead.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is, this is really an added layer to, to this time of year that, that is already like really like kind of hectic and crazy trying to sort the draft out. And now with, you know, potential, you know, high impact players that are already in the league, potentially on the move that, that just really adds another layer moving to another, uh, receiver. Uh, We we won't keep the receiver soap opera going too, too much longer. We'll get into the draft stuff uh, here momentarily. But um, any intel on the Deontay Johnson uh, dealio with Pittsburgh?
2: Yeah, sorry. That might have actually been like a bit of a media, I don't know, hypothesis rather than like a report. Or At least once the thing came out about him wanting a new contract, uh, I guess he issued a pretty swift comment that he like never issued any demands or you know ultimatums or whatever to the Steelers but he would make sense in that category two of a receiver who's accomplished enough that it's it's reasonable for him to demand an extension and uh, he's going to be 26 this year so you know he probably wants like a four-year extension right now so that he can hopefully get another four-year well-paid deal uh, toward the end of that as opposed to you know waiting a little bit too long taking his his prime window passed his, uh, you know, market access a little bit, and and uh, missing some earnings as a result. So um, I kind of just expect that one to blow over because I expect the Steelers to just pay him. So uh, depending on what his demands are, anyway, I would expect the Steelers to just try to get that one done, and and maybe we never really hear about it again.
1: Yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world, and you know, Deontay has has you know done well by the Steelers uh, you know, given where he was selected in the draft, I I think and how he's produced to this point in his career, it makes sense to go ahead and, you know, on, on both sides, uh, get, get a deal done because I I think if you're the Steelers, you've already like extrapolated so much value from, from where you selected him. He's earned much more than, than what he's gotten paid essentially. Yeah.
2: He's just going to cost more in a year or two anyway. So teams, teams, uh, have to you definitely rethink that whole, like, well, you're under contract, you have to report thing. Uh, if only, you know, just to, to save themselves money, it's, it's just a, you know, pay him before he hits the open market so that you don't have to listen to people complain about the Christian Kirk contract or whatever the alternative
1: is. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, and this is obviously short term and they'll, they'll eventually settle on a quarterback that they're paying, but right now they don't have to pay $25 million for a quarterback
2: right, yeah. so uh they're also very thin at receiver, especially if Tomlin is kind of sick of Claypool, which uh I think might still be a th- that's just me speculating i mean Tomlin he was he was pulling his playing time for Ray Ray mcLeod that's serious that's uh that's that's hatred, i think even so uh, yeah so if if uh if they're on. Thin ice with Claypool, then they can't afford to get cute with Deontay Johnson's contract. So
1: you're you're saying, and here's me weaving other weaving in another NFL storyline. God is not the man. answer.
2: Miles Boykin, uh not the answer. Uh <laughs> yeah, I think I do think Claypool is good though. I think those it, people kind of lump them together as prospects at Notre Dame, but I think Claypool was clearly different. He might also be like a problem head case. I don't know. How to, I don't know what the latest is there. Tomlin, uh, is a pretty serious guy and he seems pretty uh, fed up. So, uh, at once you can imagine Tomlin being a bit strict, but also like you don't, if if you're the kind of player who's always on the wrong side of Tomlin, you're probably not on winning teams. So, uh, yeah, Claypool could be on the move too. I mean, I can't, I can't really rule
1: that one out. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, I hope I'm not misattributing it, but like it wasn't there something about music at practice this past season where there's a little bit of tension there?
2: I don't actually know that one, but uh, yeah, there was that personal foul or whatever that he got in that one game or uh, when they were like trying to tie it up or get a game. Oh, he
1: yeah. Yes. Like. He, and he he like spiked the ball or something.
2: Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but Tomlin was had you know steam blowing out of his ears and then they started yanking his playing time for Ray Ray McLeod. That's, that's saying we'd rather have 10 players on the field than have 11 with Claypool. Like that's, that's pretty serious.
1: Yeah. No, that well said there when it, when it comes to uh, the, the receiver rotation and get playing one Ray Ray McLeod over one Chase Claypool, who has pretty much done nothing but produce uh, from the jump in his career. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the draft. That's a thing, uh, apparently, that's coming up eight days from now. Uh, so you and I pretty interested in it. You just posted a two-round mock uh, yesterday. I will have one out later this week, and I will also have another one uh, next week as well. Um, let's let's kind of r- run through your top five here and, and really the top ten because things get pretty wild in your mock. Uh, with some trades and, and you know very interesting from a fantasy perspective as well but starting things off at one what what le- what led you to going Aiden Hutchinson for the Jags uh you know kind of switching over from from the offensive line and or you you had established that, that the Jags probably aren't going offensive line and the, the Vegas odds seem to back you up where uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson like minus 200 to go first. Trayvon Walker plus 200, and then Equanu uh, and Evan Neal both you know plus 1600. That that type of deal. So the market seems to to agree with you there. But I think it it's not quite 50 50 between Hutchinson and Walker. I wouldn't be shocked if it is Walker. No. I, I also don't think that would be a great landing spot for him. But I digress. But but what what led you to Hutch over Walker?
2: Um, it's, it seems, uh, at best a coin flip actually. So I, I know you're saying it's it's maybe not 50, 50. It might not be, but it all, it also might be 50, 50. It might not even be 50, 50 in the sense that Walker by now might really be the pick. Uh, it seems like the smoke is only building up toward that direction. Actually, it seems like, uh, with each day, our even Hutchinson is maybe, losing a little bit of what was you know, previously assumed pretty strong grip on that first pick there. I don't know what all is in play, and uh, I don't know what any consideration or probability is. I, I have no idea what Balky or whoever else is considering or if they've already made up their minds. I, I have no idea, but the public consensus is that Hutchinson should be the first pick. And I had previously reasoned, including in this this mock, I reasoned, well, Balky knows that he's on the hot seat. He knows he's got – maybe he doesn't – maybe he gets fired in like a year no matter what he does. And for sure, a good way to get fired is to is to blow this first overall pick. And when the public and, and kind of like the you know scouting or NFL media community anyway all regard Hutchinson as this approved pick – Then he could reason that, well, if I take Hutchinson and he's no good, then people can't blame me. Uh, Maybe he could, maybe he would make the pick for that reason, even if he prefers Walker. Uh, But it's looking more and more like Balky might just prefer Walker and be willing to make the pick anyway. So I I don't know what, I don't know which way it's headed. I think Walker would actually be a fine pick. And like I was saying before, like I've, I am not. Uh, I am not prone to sympathy for Trent balky So I don't, I'm not trying to like defend him. I'm saying like Walker would be a fine pick and let's fire him anyway. But uh, yeah, the, the public will be kind of outraged. I think if they take Walker and it it seems like it's, it seems at least it's more plausible than it was, you know, a couple weeks ago, certainly.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I feel like taking Hutchinson would be a direct quitting on Calavon Chason. Is that warranted? Oh yeah. He's,
2: he's, uh, he's
1: not good. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't good. think he so, do anything. but um, you know, that I wasn't was sure.
2: a, that legend of Clayvon Chason was so weird. You remember that? Oh, they were just kind of, they were just like, Hey, he's going to be the next freak edge rusher. He's like Alden Smith. He's got, and, and the thing about Alden Smith is like, he's got a lot of reach. He's like a, a rangy, you know, him and Chandler Jones are kind of like similar kinds of uh, edge rushers and chase turned out to be like what, like six, two with like a 10th percentile arms. And then people were just still, Oh, but he's still Alden Smith. It, it's, it's fine. And it no, turned out same. actually he's just a, he is just like too short and, and doesn't have the range or athleticism to be an edge rusher. And if anything, it seems like they're trying to move him to inside linebacker. So that tells you how well it's going.
1: Yeah, and they, they already signed Foyer the, this off too, right? So I mean, Chazan might not make the
2: team. He might just be kind of like out of the league within like eighteen months.
1: Okay, all right. That that then I I think w- with that in mind, that then Hutchinson, there, there's less of like a a logistical barrier to to him, you know, having that that immediate fit. Um, he
2: gosh, would play I mean, three downs for sure. Walker would too. Uh, sure, I I think Walker. I actually think he's going to be pretty insane. I don't know why people are so low on him. I mean, I get the I get the ostensible reason the numbers aren't there. But when you're on a defense that has like eight other first-round picks, it should be harder to accumulate stats, right? Because they're fighting for the same stats as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. They're, that defense was like as good as pretty much any in college football history. And he's a total like Daniil Hunter, Ezekiel Ansah-level athlete, I, I think he's going to be pretty awesome. And I, I do prefer him over Hutchinson, actually. Uh, I don't think either of them are an ideal first overall pick. Ideally, they would just trade back and take whoever really is left. But, uh, yeah, I actually – I'm much higher on Walker than most people, which is kind of funny. I, I thought I would hate whatever ball was going to do.
1: Yeah, I, I think with Walker, people complain that he didn't really break out until his junior year. But But I think to your point, you know, Georgia – had, under Kirby smart has always had like that, that deep front seven, that, that deep defensive line rotation. I mean, in 2020, they had, you know, guys like Jermaine Johnson, uh, Adam Anderson, like it, it not, not the exact same position, but there's only so many bodies out there. And they had, you know, other veteran guys in that front seven. So it wasn't going to be easy for Walker to just like go in there and, and play a, a zillion snaps, uh, every single year. So, I mean, that obviously when he got the opportunity, he did pretty well for himself.
2: Yeah. For for me, Walker checks out pretty cleanly actually, because I I think his production is fine. Like he's, he's one sack away from tying for the team lead on that team, Uh, you know, playing, playing by uh, what, like Ojolari two years ago. Um, So he's keeping up with these guys. He's just not taking over the game, which if he took over the games, we wouldn't know of these other players as the players that they are. They'd be like the guys who didn't do as much because Trayvon Walker took it all out, took all the, you know, plays away from them. So it, I think it's much more likely that all of them are good. Like that. We're just, you know, dealing with another, whatever, uh, like an even better version of that old Miami defense or whatever. It's like, we uh, got, you got the two good linebackers and then the corners are way better and then or sorry, the, uh, you know, the, the pass rushers in this case are even better and Jordan Davis too. It's just like, there's just so much talent. Like, how do you expect a guy to even get to 12 sacks on a defense like that? Uh, Like Ezekiel Ansah at BYU had something like half the number of sacks as Kyle Van Noy on the same defense. And it barely mattered because he got to the NFL and he's he's such a freak athlete. Uh, You don't even need to be that good to be effective when you're that athletic. So I think that, uh, especially when you got like, it seems like there's a motor there with with Walker. He seems like he's a hard worker who plays hard. When you have tools like that and you're a high motor guy, it'll figure itself out. Like it just will. He, he, for him to fail, he basically needs to have a screw loose or just not be a serious worker or something.
1: Yeah. I I don't believe that to be the the case with him and yeah, stacked, stacked defense uh, last year. And one of the better players on it, like isn't even draft eligible Jalen Carter, um, another defensive lineman. He's he's scary. Um, but let's move on. Uh, enough Georgia talk from me. <laughs> Apologies to uh, to the to the listening audience. I know they're tired of it. Um, but there, there's going I think of-
2: uh, I have like eight Georgia players in the first two rounds of this, or maybe I, like ten.
1: Uh, I just keep I keep thinking of like that that Simpsons clip where where um, Homer notes that like something is tastes different with his duff and then it cuts over to the duff factory and there's just a bunch of dogs swimming around in in like the beer vet and it's like needs more dog so that that's just like my mantra for for the mock that there's just gonna be a need for more dogs
2: yeah it's uh except for Devonte wyatt apparently it's seen in- Seems like uh there's bad news on him and, uh, and that's I verified. I regret I regret even putting him in the second round of this mock uh, to the Browns at 44
1: I think I had him. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that see yeah, what, what's sur- swirling around out there? It sounds like there's character concerns there. Absolutely. Um let's go on. Let's get to 2. Sticking with Malik Willis going yeah, to the Lions.
2: Yeah, so the Lions have this for the second pick, they have the 32nd pick and a couple others in the, the first two days. And if they spend the second pick in that 32nd pick on non quarterbacks, they are probably going to make the team better, like they're going to improve the reps at two other starting positions, probably. And in the process, they're going to make it harder to get a quarterback in 2023, assuming there's even one worth taking, which
1: Maybe I'm not so be. sure, by the way. Like, I think we right. have another kind of like crappy quarterback class next year.
2: Sometimes guys pop up like there, there are Zach Wilson cases, but that's not the norm. And, uh, you know, if you if you pass on a player like Willis thinking, reasoning that uh, it's less risky to do that, it's too risky to take him. I would I would kind of encourage thinking about it more like, well, what what is the risk that you're taking on that you don't get a good quarterback in the next two years? Uh, are you sure this is the the less likely way to to not get a good quarterback in the next two years by passing now making the team better so that you have to pay more to get to the same place in the draft order next year when there might not be a better option anyway you you I, I think as much as there's a chance that Willis is of, of course a bust there's also a chance that they just pay twice as much to get the same nothing next year so I would take Willis if I were them. And uh, even if they take Willis, they, they might want to trade back from that 32nd pick. Uh, it seems like they are they might have to do that, especially if they don't take Willis or some quarterback at that second pick. Because like you better get multiple first rounders in 2023 if you think you're just going to buy whatever quarterback you think might be available, might be worth it. So uh, they might want to trade back from the 32nd pick, get a 2023 20, first rounder from somebody or something like that, some ammo for the future. Um, but they could, in my opinion, just make it simpler yet, take Willis at two, let him redshirt this year if he must. Uh, they can cut or trade Goff to basically no cap penalty after this year. So uh, that seems like the pretty obvious way to do it, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I like the way they, that you outlined that. And, and yeah, it would be you know ri- risky for the Lions to... To, to go down, down the avenue that that you're uh, laying out there and, and, you know, potentially leave themselves twisting in the wind uh, next year if, you know, they're, they're picking ninth overall and it turns out that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are, are top five picks.
2: Well, that team, you have to worry about them overachieving, you know, because they they do that Dan Campbell brand thing where they, you know, they play, they play a lot harder than the team that's going against them. So the fact that they're not as good sometimes doesn't matter as much as you think it will. It wouldn't be shocking if they stumbled, you know, kind of just accidentally go eight and nine or something, you know, like it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be that hard. They they can have a lucky season and in the process ruin their draft position to get a quarterback next year.
1: Yeah, totally. And again, uh, I'm I'm casting a little bit of early doubt on on, uh, the the legitness. uh, That's a word um, legitimacy of of next year's uh, quarterback class. Uh, Next up, we got Evan Neal and and Icky Iquanu going three and four to the Texans and Jets, respectively. Trayvon Walker, five to the Giants. Here's where stuff gets pretty wild. So you have the Jets moving up from the 10th pick to six. And I do like Carolina as a team, especially if Willis is off the board to move back. I I think that that. I was looking at at their draft capital. It's and so like, funny. They they're, they're so do bad. Do they not have a Do they not have a day
2: two pick? They Is don't that... have They don't have a second, third, or fourth rounder. I don't think. Yeah. So they they so. definitely need to shop the hell out of that. I don't even how, that team, man. The people running that team. Uh, what can you say? Uh, anyway, they right. need to trade back. They have to. They don't, they don't have a choice. They need. They're gonna be like. They're gonna. I don't know how to. I can't remember the last team that that blew it, that just, like, ruined their entire team budget the way that the the Panthers have right now. They need to trade back. Even if the quarterback they want is there, like, they got to trade back. They have to. Yeah,
1: they're they're really... The the way that their draft set set up now, and, like, I I don't know if there's a guy at six that that makes enough of a difference, especially if Willis is off the table to where it, it... even comes close to compensating for the fact that they aren't going to be picking second, third, or fourth rounders. Like that, that's, that's such a bad spot to be in. They need to just start accruing some draft capital and it, you know, they, they have the golden ticket to do it. Like the sixth pick, especially when so many other teams have multiple first round picks to play around with and, and potentially package up, you, you need to be listening.
2: Yeah. Um, I think um someone someone might respond to the to the you know this just statement that the panthers need to trade back they might respond like oh well what if nobody gives you an offer that's worth it and the answer to that is there's no such thing whatever the highest (laughs) offer is they have to take it if their only offer is to go back to the 20th pick for a fifth rounder they have to take it it doesn't matter what the offer is And, and they'll get a better offer than that too is the thing so Uh, They might have to take kind of like an unprecedentedly low offer to move back, but they do have to take it. I think like it would be bewildering to me, even as someone who expects them to do basically everything wrong. It would be shocking to me if they were stupid enough to stay at the sixth pick. The one thing about this particular scenario that I projected uh, the Debo Samuel news could really (laughs) uh, undo the whole thing. If he ends up going to the jets, because it would be that 10th pick. Man, maybe they may have to trade the fourth pick. Uh, especially if Shanahan's, you know, the way he often is, they might need to trade that fourth overall pick to get him. Um, but in any case, I don't know if this particular trade-up scenario from the Jets uh, will happen if if Debo Samuel is on the move, because I think the Jets have to be by far the favorite to go get him.
1: And, it well, I guess the, the free agent signing of, of Christian Kirk and the Jags picking at one, that wouldn't really i mean i would
2: they should take a
1: receiver i think i think uh any of well
2: not should i I like walker a lot and hutchinson would be fine i don't think hutchinson's bad or anything i just think uh the attempts to equate him to like the bosas and the watts are basically desperate and and sort of betray uh you know almost like insincerity i don't i don't think people think he's that good he doesn't need to be that good but there's just kind of like a there's just kind of like a myth about him at the moment. I think so. Uh, that's why I'm. That's why I sound so much lower on him than most people. I think Walker would be fine. Hutchinson would be fine. So would a receiver. If they have to take Jamison Williams first overall, or even like Drake, I guess Drake London, that would be a bit high. But um, they really could use more receivers. And it does sound like Trent balky might blow it. Like he uh, he might go into this year with really like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones as their top two receivers, which I, I like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones enough too, but Christian Kirk needs to be in the slot and you can't have Lavisca Chenault outside. And if you have Zay Jones and Christian Kirk as your top two receivers, that's not really good enough. I need, or at least I need some speed on the field to clear out some room for those two. And right now they don't have it. So if Trent Baalke takes Walker at one and then like Trey McBride with the first pick in the second round, that would be a, the quick way to to make another rough season for Trevor Lawrence, even, even though it'll be much better than it was last year, obviously. Um, in yeah, any case yeah. if, if debo samuel does not get traded i i do like this scenario of the jets moving up to carolina to get, take some receiver
1: and in in this particular scenario again uh no debo samuel in in, in this trade uh but yeah. uh the jets moving up we know that they're targeting speed jameson williams
2: yeah i i think uh like we were talking about last week my favorite bets to be the first receiver picked, especially for the odds, it's got to be Jamison Williams. and uh, I don't like Drake London to go first. I like Drake London and I think he'll go very high. I just don't think he's a serious candidate for that first receiver taken because I think people want that big playability, the the excitement factor. and London is definitely more steady than exciting, but Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson have the kind of explosiveness that I think teams might might be more eager to to, um, you know pay up for.
1: Yeah, and and do you think that at the end of the day, with the dust settling on, on Drake London not really doing much other than running routes at his pro day, and and obviously not uh, putting down any real testing numbers, that that just kind of locks him in as not the first receiver off the board?
2: Yeah, I I don't know if it like I don't know if it's really for that specific reason, but on the other hand, if he had run at that pro day and he ran like a four four eight, then. Yeah, he would go. He he would he should go first overall if he's that fast. Uh, I just don't think there's any reason to think he is. Like he I think him not running is pretty much conceding, like, yeah, I run a four six, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh that's fine. Amon Ross St. Brown ran a four six, and he's not nearly as big as Drake London and wasn't right. as productive as Drake London either. So uh Drake London is still very good, in my opinion. He's just he'll never be a truly complete receiver in the sense of threatening all parts of the field. Like, his downfield threat, I think, is very situational and probably dependent on, like, play action and setting up the double move over the course of a game, whereas Jameson Williams can just take the top off the defense, even if it's trying to prevent that specific thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and um, you know, with, with, with Jameson Williams, obviously he doesn't have any testing numbers either. It didn't really hurt Jalen Waddle. Because we, did, we didn't have to wonder if Jalen Waddle was fast. We don't have to wonder... <laughs> if Jamison Williams is fast uh, looking at the at the odds right now uh for first receiver taken Garrett Wilson the leader in the clubhouse at plus 135 is the best value that you're going to get over at points bet um, but it's anywhere between plus 135 to plus 100 over at DraftKings so it seems pretty um clear that that he's the leader right there Drake London uh, next up plus 220 over at FanDuel and then Jamison Williams plus 250 um, over at DraftKings. And, the, and then there's a pretty significant uh, drop-off to Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, both plus 2,000. Um, so it seems like that there is a a, a trio that, that has separated itself as far as where the first receiver's going.
2: Yeah. Uh, not to backtrack too much, but I, I guess I just want to take the chance to mention one other thing that we might want to watch for would be the Raiders trading Darren Waller and that could also upset a lot of uh, not uh upset but just kind of uh, reconfigure the the picture of the demand and supply at uh receiver route runners in general so if if the debo samuel part is one shoe that we have to wait to drop waller would be the other and so um yeah if either of those guys move a lot of things are off the table uh, all bets are kind of off and things can all get renegotiated at that point but uh if everybody's staying in place, I, I think I like even Burks to go in the top 20, like Olave, I'm projecting here to go, you know, 10th in a trade up from the Eagles. Uh, I think all of those guys, like we spent uh, a lot of the, the draft, whatever dynasty football community has spent the past couple of months, kind of spending a lot of time litigating who's the best one of them. And like, why uh, this guy's more, you got to get this guy and not this one and things like that. And I just kind of am leaning toward the answer that they're all good. And I think since this isn't, a spectacularly strong draft class and since there's otherwise so much incidental wide receiver pass catcher demand right at this particular moment i think it makes sense for all of those guys to go higher than we were projected and for all the picks to age
1: fine so it, go, going back to to the waller detail do you think that 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 is something that that i'll stop short of saying likely is to happen but you know it's it certainly like a on the table, and and then B, you know, how would that trade uh, change the Raiders' um, strategy for for this draft? And and you know, where where would be, you know, not to put you on the spot too much, but where you know, what would some potential suitors be for a guy like Darren Waller?
2: Pretty much everybody should pay attention, in my opinion, when a player that good is available, and it probably wouldn't cost that much to get him because. He probably wants a contract extension. He's badly underpaid by the Raiders. He's, he's almost literally paid like 40% of what he should be paid or something. Um, so he, I haven't seen anything mentioning a holdout, but he would be insane to not hold out. And I would imagine he's already told the Raiders he wants a raise. So if they move him, the contract's ex- expectation will, would like reduce the, what they could get in a trade back and yet it might be the best they can do in the situation. So they, they might give, give up Waller for, I don't know, like a a second and a fourth rounder or something, something that's just not that difficult to justify. If you're a team that considers itself a contender in, in and in kind of like one piece away, but Waller can play wide receiver reps, you know, I mean, he played a lot of slot receiver as it was for the Raiders. I, I think you can line up everywhere, especially if you can get a certain matchup in a game, like if you get, if you just see there's some uh, whatever five ten corner that they're leaving on him when they move him out wide, he can play a receiver. He, he ran that four four six or whatever at like six six two thirty five out of Georgia Tech, where he actually did play a receiver. So even if you have a pretty good tight end, if Darren Waller's is available and you're a He's contender, better. you gotta you
1: gotta get a player like that if you think you're gonna win. and so, like sadly, it won't happen because they're in the same division, but waller on the chargers would be sick
2: that would be pretty sick and uh to again highlight their their issue he would be as fast as anybody on the field on that uh-huh. offense even though he would be much bigger than nearly all of them uh but yeah there's 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 very few scenarios where, where waller is anything less than one of the most valuable route runners in the league in my opinion so uh packers would make a lot of sense uh a lot of Any team that's like, we think we're going to throw the ball well this year, and we we have anything other than an all-star at any of our main route running positions, that team could use Waller and should be paying close attention.
1: 100%. Yeah, I I think he's still got some really good years left in him. Absolutely. Um, Before we get on over to the, the next part of our mock draft breakdown, quick word from our sponsors over at Blue Wire.
0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
1: All right. So moving on Mario. Um, so you, you got the giants taking Garrett Wilson at seven, eight, I think is a really sticky spot. Yeah. Atlanta has, the Atlanta is like the NFC version of Houston where they need everything. Yeah. And I, I don't really know it like obviously a lot has been made of the Falcons completely empty wide receiver room right now. I mean, they they have Kyle Pitts at at tight end, you know, but you know, pass catcher essentially um, offensive weapon and then nothing just blatantly, just absolutely zero. And you, and you, and we've talked about like the, the, likely receiver thirst that's going to be coming in this draft where like all these receivers are going off the board. Do they lean into it and and take one at eight and then just try their luck to, to backfill their positions later in the draft? Or do do you think that they move back or, or, uh, you know, what, what's kind of your thought process for Atlanta and how they should approach uh, picking eight right now?
2: So I'm profoundly, skeptical of this new gm that they have with the falcons the last one Dimitrov, was terrible i don't know if Fontenot is any better i like the kyle pitts selection enough i still think they probably should have took fields um but i like kyle pitts a a lot so that's that's fine the problem is all the other picks were terrible uh what they did in free agency made no sense like their their depth chart at running back and receiver last year it was just abhorrent. like it, it was it's insane that Christian Blake is playing any snaps at all for you. Him. <laughs> like him and Frank Darby are like your fourth and fifth receivers, and uh Zacchaeus is your second or third. Just for Tajik Sharp. What are you even trying to do here? It seems like you're trying to tank and yet you don't trade Matt Ryan. Like you can't tank if you have a quarterback like well, they did, they were bad of course, but they didn't take as much as they should have. They were better than they should have been for the, for a team of their ambitions. And they, they just did everything stupid. Uh, at least they got rid of Julio Jones for a second round pick, but that, you know, they, they were lucky uh, that, that the Titans were were willing to play ball on, on such a, on such a ridiculous scenario. If, if the Titans hadn't, they might've just held on to Julio or like, I don't know, only gotten a fourth rounder or something. So, Uh, The other draft picks, like I said, were were terrible aside from Pitts. And so I'm not, I'm kind of like being charitable when I project Drake London in this scenario because Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson being off the board is the main reason I'm projecting London there. Like, I think the Falcons could take either Jameson Williams or Garrett Wilson if, if they have that option. But if they don't, I also think Drake London would make a lot of sense. Not that Arthur Smith would confuse him for AJ Brown, but he might confuse him for like a better Corey Davis. He might appreciate just the matchup option of having a 6'4", 220 starting receiver who you can feed with volume as a passer, as a pass catcher, and in the run game can give you good, you know, uh, just kind of like mass advantages on the outside because he's mostly being being covered by like 190-pound corners. So London doesn't need to be a great blocker or anything to to push guys around who are 30 pounds lighter than him and, and, you know, like a half a foot shorter than him. So I think he would fit in great with Atlanta and he especially would have been a great fit with Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota. I I like him, but I think he needs more help than they're likely to give him. So I'm not super optimistic there, which leads to the next point. The Falcons have plenty of reason to be interested in a quarterback. I don't think Willis falls to them, but if he does, they should probably take him. If he's gone by then, they could trade back and take Ritter or I guess Pickett. Not that I would be a fan of the second option. Um, so those are things that they could do if they don't stay at eight and take a receiver.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, the big sense uh, down here in Atlanta is always that, that if you're the Falcons are always going to be like bad, but just not bad enough to, to go ahead and and get that like franchise changing player. So, you know, that they're, they're picking fourth last year after a terrible year, like they, they just like, I feel like a good summation, is it, am I getting a little choppy here sorry uh no it might be me though okay but my screen's getting a little slow but we we press on but like the the play where Todd Gurley scored when he didn't mean to or like when it was like suboptimal <laughs> for for the Falcons to do that um that that just kind of like sums up the these like post uh Super Bowl 28 to 3 uh years for the Falcons like that just Bad results, no, like basically, even when they win, they lose, type, type of thing. So,
2: yeah, um, I, I I thought it couldn't get worse than Dimitrov. But, like I said, ha- having that tankier last year while keeping Matt Ryan, it's like you, you trade Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, or you keep them both and you, for some reason, try to compete. What you don't do is try to get bad enough that Matt Ryan can't win you any games, but you also don't trade him or draft a quarterback with your first round pick. Like that's, that's kind of the scenario that the lions need to think about with Willis at the second pick. It's like, fine, let's say you get some kick-ass player with the second overall pick. Are you going to be happy to be in Atlanta's position next year where you're picking later and you still don't know what the hell you're going to do for the next three years?
1: Yep. To, to quote uh, Mike from, from breaking bad, no half measures, but Falcons, Oh, he hates those. Good. Um Yeah, he, yeah, not a fan of half measures. That Mike guy, pretty serious fella One time um, he did, he entertained it, but not since then, buddy. Nay, nay. Um, so let's get on down the list a little bit. We got some defenders uh, going after Chris Olave goes ten. We got Derek Stingley, Kyle Hamilton, a couple of r- really toolsy guys going to Washington and Minnesota, respectively. Jordan Davis to Houston with their thirteenth pick overall. Kayvon Thibodeau uh, to the Ravens. I, I would not mind that. Then we got a couple of quarterbacks going. So Kenny Pickett to the Panthers at 15 and Desmond Ritter to New Orleans at, in a trade that's been traded a bunch or a pick that's been traded a bunch. The 16th overall pick Ritter to the Saints. Um, I do like the idea of of this, of this both these teams going after a quarterback in, in this draft. And I think that would be the, the relative sweet spot. Like a I would hate pick at six to the, to the Panthers pick it at 15. Not bad.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, it, they should have no delusions. Like even if they pull off this trade back scenario and get Pickett, they will not be competing. So toward that end, pick could be a decent, you know, bridge experiment. you know, a, a first round pick they were going to waste anyway. Uh, maybe they, keep themselves as a, as a strong tanking finisher for the next two years. And, uh, they just kind of dispense with him like the Rams did golf, uh, you know, not, not, not extending him and then needing to trade two first round picks to get another team to take him, but just moving on. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, a lot better, like you said, to get Pickett that late than at six. I just think he's really bad, and so with the Panthers being a very badly run team, I think they make so much sense to take him. Uh, maybe that's kind of like a wishful thinking thing. Like I'm, I'm hoping they take Pickett so that they don't ruin Desmond Ritter, whereas he might have a fruitful career at another more stable team, let's say the Saints. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm maybe that's just me hoping that that you know there's this is like fewer casualties than, than the alternative.
1: Okay. All right. That, that definitely checks out. And, and yeah, the the, the Panthers current uh, brain trust, not, not really generating a lot, a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic uh, to say the least. How would you feel about Ritter at, at, at 16 to to New Orleans? Do you think that he's someone that could, you know, I guess with, with Andy Dalton being there, what am I drawing too direct a parallel of um, Dalton just kind of being in the way for like the first month of the season then Ritter taking over
2: I I don't know I mean it, it, it's tough to get quarterbacks I think right it's it's tough for anyway to get quarterbacks right then like running backs receivers and tight ends but I think uh, as far as the things that we can know uh, Ritter satisfies pretty much every concern i mean it's not a it's not like a trevor lawrence kind of thing where you look at him and it's just like oh this guy's a star you can just see it immediately you kind of have to try to see it a little bit you have to like be patient with it and kind of let it come out over the course of the tape and you know looking at his production he it's good that he improved as a four-year starter like steady improvements over four years that's what Dak Prescott did, and it's not the same kind of uh, same kind of athlete or build or anything as Dak Prescott. But just that thing where he showed up with a certain level of development, and he steadily improved every year. Uh, probably just you know by by virtue of kind of his work ethic. You know, it's it's it really is important to get a quarterback who's kind of obsessed with football, and you know, if they have any sort of tools to work with, even if they're raw now your best hope is still to take a guy like that and just hope that their work ethic leads to them figuring it out, especially when you got a case like Ritter's where he's shown signs of constantly figuring things out already. So I think he's a very easily justified pick for a team like the Saints. I know some people uh, are pretty skeptical of him and consider him like a fringe first-rounder or like a reach in the first round. I don't. I think he belongs in the top 20, and I think the Saints should take him.
1: I, I think... It, and you know that I could definitely be accused of maybe like projecting my thoughts on, on Cincinnati last year as a whole um, onto onto Ritter specifically. You know, you, you take the his last college game against Alabama. Like obviously, that the offensive line in front of him had no shot of, of stopping. You know, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, like all those guys. But you know, Ritter just it. Other than you know their their scripts coming out of the the first drive of the game and the second half, like you know he couldn't do anything against that Alabama defense. You know what what do you think is going to be different in the NFL? You know when you're facing like all Bama level guys, uh, even yeah. Better.
2: You don't go into that scenario with the Cincinnati team though, and right. uh, not that you want to you don't want to bank on outliers like this, but like you don't need to find the tape from Josh Allen's Oregon game to find results as bad as Desmond Ritter against Alabama. Uh, There really are some times where the supporting cast relative to the opponent is just so uneven that the, the whole sample is just contaminated, you know? So sure. I'm hoping that's what happened there with Ritter. Uh, Alec Pierce is an NFL receiver, but that's about it. You know, like he didn't, he didn't have any, he didn't have receivers who were ready to go face to face with corners like those. So you would predict failure, you would hope for better than what he did. But um, I think when especially when you're in the Saints position, it's like you know, you, you can bring him along slowly if you need to. And how bad could he really be if he's like a four-year steadily improving starter, gives you some run flexibility? He's a very good the four-five, two, you know, yeah. even if he adds nine pounds and he's getting up to like six, three, 220 he's still probably running a four-six flat at worst. So if he's not a great passer. Then lean on his running ability. You can do that. He'll give you that at the very least, and his work ethic, his 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 focus, his ability to like lead as a four year starter, I think all indicate likely growth too.
1: Yeah, I think those are all fair points. Now, I didn't mean to to hang my my one criticism on like the a worst sit case situation like like the Alabama game in the playoff, but I thought that there were other times last year where Cincinnati kind of sleptwalked against yeah. lesser opponents, and, and again. I don't want to like put all of that on, on Ritter specifically. And if, if anything, Ritter, you know, pulled them out of the fire in a couple instances like against Tulsa. Um, but yeah, it's a totally reasonable concern. And it's it's the reason
2: why he doesn't really have any top 10 momentum. You know, it's like, he's one of those guys who you, you can see him failing, but it sometimes still makes sense to take him just because there is the good case scenario. And it, as a team, you kind of just got to, you know, you have to kind of just take one of the roads eventually and see where they go. And I think for the saints, it's like, if not now you're, you're kind of just kicking the can down the road instead of uh, figuring out anything.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So I, I do think that, that it would make sense for, for new Orleans to use one of their first rounders on a quarterback. And at, you know, I, I think that Ritter probably a little bit toolsier than, than Kenny Pickett. Um, so there's that um, other notable, uh, picks from your first round we won't hang out too too much longer here we got to get rolling here soon but the
2: running backs if you're wondering Brees Hall the to the first Jet. one Brees Hall to the Jets and by the way I don't feel strongly about either of uh, the, the Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker projections here oh can I you just, imagine the fits of the Michael Carter hive though think of them uh there would be a lot of people ready to complain about that pick if it's made I wouldn't I actually think of, I think If you imagine a successful NFL offense and the amount of running that that should entail, there's, it's easy to see how there's room for both Hall and Carter to be productive in that case, especially when, as it were, you have a quarterback who you can't trust to get the ball to the receivers. So Mm -hmm. do you think they're just punting? It's a fair, that's, that's the alternative and it's fair to say like, well, I guess so. But if you are not content with that, then taking Brees Hall makes a lot of sense because he can move the ball for you and he can make Zach Wilson look better than he is. And he can't do everything. So, especially when you're, if you're in a game where you're running, you know, 75 snaps, you want to have a Michael Carter and a breeze hall in that game.
1: No, totally. It's, you know, I I think it makes all the sense in the world, like the, the days of, of like the true workhorse, you know, getting 65 plus percent of, of the carries like, pretty much gone. It, it Some guys
2: can work. do it. And it's, it's fine that there's a bunch who can't and, you know, it's, it, it's good to have good players on the field. And, and it's, it's unfair to expect Carter to play, you know, 70% of the snaps. And it's, it's unfair to expect hall to play 90%. You know, he's not Todd Gurley, but him and him and a passing down specialist, uh, not uh, hall can catch passes too. I'm specifically imagining an offense where he's catching like 50 passes and getting like 16 to 18 carries per game. And Carter's getting, you know, eight carries, Three to four catches. I think a team that's moving the ball, moving the chains, has plenty of reason to talk to to pursue both of those kinds of players.
1: And you, what this kind of made me think of, and obviously we we hope for a different result uh, for for the Jets if this were to, to come to fruition. But reminds me a little bit of like the Browns setup, where they just had yeah. an an elite backfield that that can kind of help smooth over some of the the rougher spots of a you know, high pick quarterback who's struggling to develop.
2: Yeah. The Carter can take a certain number of reps, right. And let's say like 500 snaps, but they're probably going to run closer to uh, what is it? Like 1200, 1300 running back reps. And the, 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 sharp analytics guy thing apparently is, is to say, well, just have the other 800 reps be totally crap. Just put some <laughs> bum out there.
1: Who cares? That is smart. And,
2: I think that's a weird that's a weird way to think of a football game. I don't know if a person who thinks of it that way has ever imagined a competitive scenario or been in one themselves. And like eight hundred reps, you really you're really okay with. You 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 would rather have eight hundred bad reps than just push a button and get eight hundred good ones. That's strange, especially for a team that could use it. You know, you're not just. It's not like every time you pass on a running back, you're automatically. you're automatically stocking up equity in some other area. You're probably just blowing it because you're the kind of person who can't see the reason 800 good running back reps is useful to an offense. So I think Hall would be a good pick there. Uh, Kenneth Walker, I project kind of a similar thing going to the Cardinals. And with that one, I was was like, I don't know. I didn't feel strongly about that. I I was like, I got to get Kenneth Walker somewhere, I guess. And they lost Edmonds and Connors injury prone. So maybe something, I don't know. But apparently the Cardinals are looking at receivers too
1: oh when, then uh, i'm so mad that i like have to be disappointed like I, I used to be so like enamored with the idea of like oh this guy going to kyler murray like in uh you know a cliff kingsbury offense like now it's like quite the opposite it's like oh, great now like, cliff now sucks. like off- it <laughs> should have worked work. it should have
2: it should have worked you were you were not wrong to be hopeful with that it's it's cliff's fault uh we, we'll. i assume we'll we'll get back at him someday
1: yeah, we will. Uh, we need to get a uh, Zach Kitley or whatever his name is, whoever the Western Kentucky offensive coordinator was. who's he, at Texas Tech now. We need to get him <laughs> up the ranks and, and uh, we need to get, to get some
2: uh, big 12 coach who uh, was probably fired four years ago because he's not a hot sunglasses
1: wearing. Yeah, it does, big, doesn't have a cool batch. He, he
2: gets fired when he goes 500 every year.
1: Yeah, he, he has more of like a, a male living spaces.
2: Doesn't get an he NFL played. head coaching job for that. It turns out
1: mm-hmm. uh, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta be the Instagram boy for that. That I mean that's facts, man. Um, other kind of big takeaway Packers. I think a lot of Packers fans would be very excited if things played out this way. Double tapping receiver. Who'd you give
2: them? I uh, have them trading ahead of the Saints to get Traylon Burks, which. If if uh, Debo Samuel gets traded and Darren Wall, or or Darren Waller gets traded, I should say, if either of those happens, I don't quite see the need at that point to trade up for Burks. Like the the Saints could take Burks, that would make a lot of sense for them to do that. But particularly if if like Olave is gone by ten, if four receivers are gone by ten, then the Packers need to trade up to get Burks. I think, and they cannot leave the first round without at least Burks. Like they, they just can't do it. And they kind of don't let themselves take other players who might be suitable options. Like they don't allow like sub-195 receivers traditionally. It's, they should make exceptions even if they want that rule. Like in Olave should be a clear reason to make that exception. Or Jamison Williams, not that I expect them to be in that range. But Burks conventionally projects uh, – Burks uh, conventionally qualifies for what the Packers usually look for. So it's really easy to imagine them targeting him, uh, be it in a trade-up or at the 22nd overall pick – and uh, yeah, even if they get Burks, they should take Pickens. I think if they get the chance, because they're not going to be—they there, won't consider Jahan Dotson, who would otherwise be a worth a pick there. So uh, they got to get two receivers. They can't—they can't just go in like putting it all on Lazard. And I like Lazard enough.
1: Yeah, I mean that you, you don't want to like be, be the Falcons, but with a good quarterback like that—that that almost like creates an uglier situation where like Rogers. You know, it just signs this new deal, yeah. it's all dramatic, and then it's like you you really just gave me nobody. Thanks. They should take
2: they should take Burks and Pickens and then also still trade their second rounder for Waller or something.
1: I uh, I like where your head's at. Um any other uh kind of notable things the listeners should should be looking out for in your mock or or I'll just drop the link in the in the show notes and uh go read it.
2: Yeah, I, I project Trey McBride to go first pick in the second round to the Jaguars. So him, Jeremy Ruckert, and uh Cade Otten, I project in the second round, but nothing all that exciting about any of
1: them, in my opinion. Okay. But you know, at, at a certain point, tight ends will get drafted. Second yeah. round seems, seems to be. That's for the two tight end league people right there. <laughs> Drop that in there for him. Much appreciated. All right, that's gonna wrap things up for us here on the road to wire. Fantasy football podcast brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening.
0: Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our
2: premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card
0: required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.